Welcome back, Middle Class Rockstar, Episode 9. We're one episode away from that Milestone 10, where I predicted at the start if I got 10 episodes out, I'd put 100 out. I'm realizing now that there's a lot of effort going into 10 episodes, and I'm rather certain I will put out a 10th episode. 90 more of them is a lot, but I'm loving doing it. The podcast is a lot of fun. Um, it, it does it does require a good amount of work. I knew that going in. Um, but it's it's great. I, I enjoy doing it, and I enjoy having these discussions. But I feel like I've been sitting down in my bedroom cranking these out all day because my mastering guy is going out of town for the holidays, so I have a strict deadline of, of course, today, last minute me, to get in several episodes. So this this will air. Today is November 20th. If you're listening to this, it'll be December at the soonest. I guess you can listen to it whenever you want. It'll be out in December. Um, but I've been putting in the monologues, adding those outer space sound effects, putting in the theme song, all that good stuff. While I'm thinking of it, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering at Las Vegas, Nevada, puts the finishing touches on this podcast for any of your audio or restoration needs. You can get a hold of him at www. Dot pqmastering.com. I need to think of a better way to do that. What if I what if I do the Trump thing? Has that been overdone? We have the best sponsors. PQ Mastering is the best mastering company that's that's ever lived. He's the best. We have all of the best sponsors. www.pqmastering.com. Was that good? That might have been kind of crappy. I feel like there's so many good Trump impersonations that that one wasn't. Anyway, let's jump in with today's episode, Rachel Miller. There's a ton I can say about Rachel. She's my oldest friend. Not that I wouldn't consider my grandpa a friend who's in his 90s, but she's been my friend for the longest. We, I grew, My family moved from Houston, Texas when I was two and a half. She was three. We moved across the street from her family in Louisville, Colorado, and I think we were just the third house in the neighborhood. And we grew up going to Snake's birthday parties in tall grass and the open lots in the neighborhood, playing hockey matches in the cul-de-sac, playing school. We pretended to be in school as little kids. That was a big activity. We did all kinds of things. We started a band with another one of the neighborhood kids. And we were best friends. We were, we were childhood best friends. And... It's sort of come full circle because now we're in the same industry. She's done a lot of great things on the performance, or excuse me, on the business side of the music business. Um, she's currently a manager at 7S Management. She manages all kinds of artists. I don't want to get too much into it because that's what the interview's about. Um, but she's going to talk about all of her internships um, and, and all of her jobs and all the things she's currently doing. And she also does drag. She's going to talk about that. She performs regularly at the Clock Tower off 16th Street in Denver. So I'm very, very excited to have my oldest friend on the podcast. Here's Rachel Miller. Hey. Hey. I can't believe we are... I can't believe we're doing this. I can't either. Thank you for having me. We've been friends for 25 years. That, I was, yeah. Which is almost as long as we've been on this earth. 
That is true. Yeah. I and, love it. And then we ended up in the same field, sort of, I mean, in, in music. Yeah. And now you're in my basement on, on Middle Class Rockstar. You got the talent. I got the brains. We'll t- I'll take it. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, well, I guess that's true. <laughs> I, I mean, at least about the brains part. <laughs> oh, my mom told me I wasn't allowed to do anything before I gave you a massive hug and told you how much she loved you. Oh. I know. Should we pause? We should. We should. <laughs> well, um, I love you too, Melanie. A shout out to Melanie Miller, who will probably be listening in. I would hope so. Yeah, me too. Um, so I guess let's jump right in. You're currently working as a manager at 7S. Correct. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, right you here, right get, here. Yep, right up in that microphone. Okay. I did clean it, I promise. <laughs> okay. Like, All right. I f- yeah, you're not a uh, you're not a singer. I'm not. You don't usually do the microphone. No, the only microphone I ever use does not work, which is good because I've dropped it so many times <laughs> and it's never live. <laughs> For it's it's oh, that's right. That's the you don't have to plug it in to do the No. No. I just I just carry around a, We got to talk about that too. Probably. This is probably confusing. Yes. We'll get there. Okay. 7S. We'll get there. Yes. We'll get there. 7S. You got it. You're a manager at 7S. Um, how long have you been there for? What's it like? It's good. I've been there for, God, almost four years now. Um, I think management as a whole, though, since 2012. Um, so, yeah. So, six years. All in. Do you love it? I do love it. I do. Um, yeah. It's 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 good. It's like one of those things where it's like every day is different. You never know what, what you're going to get. Um, you know, from anything from, I can't, of course I'm blinking now that I tried to give an example. Right. <laughs> you just do stuff. You just do stuff. You never know. Um, it, do you wish, or do you, do you hope to do something else in the business eventually? Is this a stepping stone? Or are you like, I'm a, I'm an artist manager. This is what I want to do. I think that's what I want to do. I think because I, you get to do everything with it. So you get to have a hand in, you know, in record producing or or record label stuff and you get to have a hand in bookings and you know it's kind of all over the map which i like because you know it doesn't really relegate you to one thing every day is different exactly so let's let's reverse it now we'll get more into the management side and what that does but uh your story starts in colorado you're born in colorado in 91 april 17 nailed it yes we've known each other since we were Two years old, you were three. <laughs> Thank um, I, when, I can't believe I got you to say that on the air. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I was two and a half. <laughs> uh, we lived across the street from each other in Louisville, Colorado. Um, Do you remember the name of our first band? Uh, uh, the Superstars. Yes. Was that it? It was it. Yes. The, and the theme song, I believe, began with "We're We're 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 Superstars." Right. Which I later discovered. Nick wrote that song. He did. Nick yeah. Rothschild was in the band too. I think he's a sports anchor in Colorado Springs, maybe. I don't. Yeah, you're not sure. I haven't talked <laughs> I was to him in a while. Go with Durango, but, but his family still lives across the street. Maybe Durango. We'll have to. We'll, we'll we'll find out. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to have our people look into that. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, we're superstars. Was one of the songs, and I don't know where the melody came from, but I feel like years later. Like in college, I discovered that possibly the melody was a little bit plagiarized. I think I think so. Um, I don't know if you got that like from Space Jam or something, maybe. But oh, there was that a, would make sense. There was a melody in there that I, I was like, man, this song is genius. Yeah, right. We're we were both so jealous seven. and mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our songs were awful. <laughs> yeah, but his crushed it. But that's his crushed it. Because... And 
and I, I think our best musical talent at that point was, maybe I was playing piano at that time, but I think we were all just playing drums on Tupperware. Yeah, yeah, in in the driveway at like 7 a.m. and uh, yeah. no one in the neighborhood was a fan. No, but... no, absolutely not. But when we started doing X Games in the front yard, I think they were praying that the band would get back together. <laughs> I, I think I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I gotta remember what it was. If I remember it, I'll I'll state it in the monologue. But I I remember the melody. We are we are we're superstars from our first band when we were seven years old. Yeah. But that melody comes from somewhere, and it hit me in college. And I may have even texted you. I heard something. Yeah. Like, no way. That bastard. Right, right. <laughs> Man, if only we'd recorded it. We could have had our first lawsuit at eight. I mean, we would have been Yeah. Where where could we have been now? We would have we wouldn't have been Nickel Creek or anything, but you know, a lawsuit a is, lawsuit, is I mean, better than most young bands. I think so. Yeah. I think so. We really we really went wrong. We did. We did so what in and as far as an instrumentalist, that was extremely brief for you, right? You you did was it clarinet in the concert band? <laughs> Oh man, you're gonna tell all my secrets. Clarinet in fourth grade. I was, I think, the equivalent of Squidward, is how I always imagine it. Um, you tried to teach me guitar when we were 14, and I wish I'd listened. And you try. I mean, all my all my skills come from you attempting to teach me. I don't and think I knew how to play guitar at 14. Maybe it's just a photo Ma of you holding a guitar. That was probably, <laughs> that is. Yeah. I'm thinking you were. Dad teaching probably me. showed me a couple chords. Okay. All right. Now you're a fantastic music teacher. I should not be telling my ability to play instruments in no way is impacted by you. <laughs> However, don't hurt my student. I know, right now. I know. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, I, I got my. Um, I I know about everything they taught us at school, and it never stuck. Unfortunately. But and you did you stop what part just for that year? You just did clarinet for that year and then yeah just fourth grade okay um i wanted to play drums i remember but they said you had to have prior percussion knowledge so i was not allowed well did you mention the tupperware you know i should have i don't know why i damn yeah i would have i that would have passed i think I, yeah it should have but well, i i find it interesting and i liked i wanted to I like to talk about everybody's musical history a little bit with whatever they're doing in the industry, and I find it interesting, and I think it's a, actually an advantage for you that you're not also in a band. I feel like everybody in the industry is like, but also my band. Yeah. And I get it. I understand. I mean, that's me. But but I like when you meet somebody who's just in the business. Totally. I think you, I think you have to be able to separate it a bit, and I think it's hard when you're also trying to, to further that part of it. Yeah. Um, but I guess I definitely understand why they wanted you to have at least some base knowledge right. and they meaning the program we both went to, obviously, um, yes, see Denver. Denver. but, but yeah, I think it helps. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're more credible, at least if you can, I got a year of theory and that's about all, but yeah. And that's all you need, right? If you could circle of fifths, if you know the circle of fifths, you can help out any punk band <laughs> in the studio. I, and you know what? That's, that's where I strive, strive for. <laughs> So then uh, a few years pass. We're in high school. We kind of separated at that point. Your family moved not too far away. We were still hanging out, but I was at Holy Family. You were at uh, Boulder High. And then in college, I feel like we did completely disconnect for maybe a year and a half where it was a text message every four or five months. Um, right. I went out to uh, D.C. to George Washington. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Right. And you went. 
to Denver for for um, music school. And what were you thinking? No, I'm kidding. No, Seriously. But, so you went Seriously. you went out to DC to be a lawyer. What was why did you want to do that at that time? You know, I think it's one of those things where everyone tells you what you'd be good at and when you just don't know. Like I didn't totally have a clear passion. Um, I was good at arguing and, you know, everyone in my family, oh, you'll make a great lawyer, you'll make a great lawyer. And I think it just kind of like stuck. Um, and my dad had wanted to go to school in D.C. And I think that there was some like some bit of that probably that like, you know, like I wouldn't say he pressured me to go to school in D.C. at all. Um, but I think that there was a part of it like, oh, this is what he wanted to do. And everyone says we'll be good at this. So why not? But I hated it. You, there was no part of you once you got there. No, man. I mean, we we grew up in such a different, I mean, coming from Boulder, trying to go out to D.C. and like live that lifestyle where it's just like I was constantly underdressed. I was constantly like stressed out because the pace of life is so fast and so different. And I just I couldn't hang with all those prep school kids. Right. It was, it, was it a preppy kind of school? It was, I think. A lot of kids just came from private school and there was certainly a lot of money there. And I don't know. I just didn't quite quite fit in how long were you out there a year and a half so i did three semesters did three semesters and did you end up taking some law courses in that time or was it mostly just core yeah i, I was a psych major and everyone would say oh that's cool what are you gonna do with that and i'd be like oh law, you know law school um so i had started taking a few like pre-law stuff mm. um but i found that like it was in that time where i saw i saw the movie the runaways which is you know the whole story of joan jett's first band and there was something about it where I know it sounds cliche, but it was like completely life changing. And it was like at that moment where I was like, oh shit, like here's this. Cause you know, she's famous for, um, I mean, being amazing, but you know, the way she came up was like 23 record labels turned her down. And so was there, there was this thing about like her tenacity and her like refusal to say no and, or, you know, to, to take no for an answer. I think that makes sense. Yes. Um, that I don't know. So I started just like diving really far into like, into like just researching rock and stuff like that. And I think I realized like I'm spending all my time, you know, like learning about all these bands I love and, you know, researching and writing about music. Like why can't that be a thing? Right. And so that's when you decided to come back to Denver. Yeah. And then like I was like looking at Billboard during some law class. I'm sure I was supposed to be paying attention in. And um, yeah, CU Denver popped up as one of the like best music business schools. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, or serendipitous, I think, because all I wanted to do was go home and here I could go home and actually like do something I like. And did you want to come back to Colorado as well? I think so. All my family was here, all yeah. my friends. Um, so I definitely, yeah, it definitely felt like time to come back. And I, I didn't know you were coming back. So we must have been yeah. somewhat estranged for <laughs> that, that for a very brief period of time, yeah. maybe that year and a half. Um and I thought it was... Well, our bagel shop had closed down, so where would we hang out? That's right. The local bagel shop closed down. I still maintain best bagels ever. Um, Moscow, Idaho has a bagel shop that's a close second. Really? Okay. So if uh, if you go to school in Pullman at Washington State or in Idaho and Moscow, shout out to you for having a great bagel shop. But <laughs> it was not hole-in-one. It was not hole-in-one. Um, but I remember being very surprised and excited I think it was history of music lit or something. Yep. It was one of those classes we all had to Karin, take. Karin, right? Karin. Uh, she was amazing. I love her. From Norway, I think. Very, very uh, thick 
Norwegian accent, and she would take phone. She had a couple times she had to take a phone call, and she would speak in Norwegian, and we all thought it was wild. Yeah, but you walked into class one day and like just I think randomly ended up sitting two seats down. I was looking at my phone or something, and I looked over and went, "What?" I think we were both equally shocked. Like yeah. somehow we both had forgotten that like this could be a thing. <laughs> I still have some very nice drawings you made for me from that time. Oh, yeah. We were drawing in that class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, we were absolutely paying attention to everything. Yeah. Well, that's how I pay attention. Yeah, I'm totally. I'm a doodler. Doodler. Yeah, we did a lot of doodles together. That was great. I remember. <laughs> um, so you're back at CU Denver. And then what happens? What does happen? Um, I cried a lot because they were making me take all the music classes and I kept trying to figure out how to get out of them. (laughs) That's the main thing I remember from that first year is just like sheer terror. I don't care how to play a G chord. I just want to run a record label. Just one. That's all I want. Um, I remember getting, uh, we had to go in for our first like singing class, like sight singing or sight reading and whatever it was. And I remember just being like so terrified. And she looked at me and she said, you got about half of those notes right and i was like score that is much more than i thought i would get yeah um you, you were glass half full i, I was like totally. i got half, half of, them. of them i know i can't sing but give me a break but but yeah so i just kind of like i was still working i was working at independent records r.i.p best record shop by the ogden theater by the ogden now angelos oh right 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 but i um so yeah i had no idea what i was gonna do and then um what did happen? Oh, I went out to um, Oregon to intern at Kill Rock Stars. Was that as so? That was after your fourth semester of college. It was the summer of two thousand twelve. So yes, I mean I, I got Math. I got put back a bit because I had to take a sem- I took a semester off. Oh, started school in the fall of two thousand and eleven. Okay, I don't know something like that. something like that. It's all a blur. And so you went out to kill rock stars. And I, I actually should mention, too, because we're going to get into all your internships, and that was one of the things that I thought was really cool is a lot of students, a lot of our other peers at CU Denver in the music business program didn't get internships or didn't get one until their senior year or till they were out of school. And you came into school, and no sooner than you had enrolled were you getting internship offers. And you did a couple, and they were big internships. They were ones that everybody would want. You know, there was nobody going to Oregon in the summer for an internship with a a record label with a ton of history, like Kill Rock Stars. And I really just crossed my fingers on that one. I had emailed them and been like, do you want an intern? And they were like, "Um, yeah, are you coming here? Or like, are you coming to Portland? And I was like, yeah, I'll be in Portland. And they were like, well, just call us when you get here, and we'll see. And I just kind of got in my car and drove and called and was like, hey, I'm here. Hope that's still cool. And luckily, like, they, they, it was. What? <laughs> yeah. So you could have gotten there and just. Yeah, I had no real plan. I don't know why. I felt like that summer I was like, I have to get out of here. And um, Liz, um, a mutual friend of both of ours, was living in Eugene for this. Or she was going to school at um, University of Oregon. And so my plan was like, I'm going to just hang out with her and do this internship two hours away. And like, fingers crossed. And I mean, it worked out, but oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was that like is so cool. I I packed my car like I wasn't coming back. Like when I look look back at it, like I had no, 
I don't know what I thought would happen. Like I would be the best intern ever and they would just never let me leave. Summer of 2012. Summer of 2012. Mm -hmm. And so talk about the internship. What, what did you do? What was, what happened? Um, you know, it, it was cool. It was, I mean, I, I love, I loved the label so much. Like it was such a cool, um, thing to me just to like be there and to be like looking through their archives of like, you know, I remember doing a lot with, um, like Bikini Kill and just going through like everything they had done, which, you know, was such an influential band, um, you know, in the nineties and the Riot Girl movement. And it was just so cool to be like surrounded by, by that. Um, but yeah, you know, Portland, you know, Portland's a different, it was, again, it was like almost the polar opposite of DC where the, the pace of life was so much slower. Um, you know, so I, you know, I worked very, um, you know, not not tons of hours you know i worked like 11 to 3 or something a couple days a week um but just got to really immerse myself and kind of like what they had done what'd you do the other days um i was i split my time between eugene and portland so i would i would go i would come up to portland for like three days and work like monday tuesday wednesday and then go back to to eugene and hang out with um with friends there it was a very very slow summer i think i spent a lot of my my savings account but it was fun. Yeah, there's a lot of great bars <laughs> like, in Portland. Yeah, you. I wasn't. Well, it wasn't even legal oh. yet. Oh, mm. I was. Yeah, I was that's 20. a boring summer. <laughs> yeah. No, I was legal. That's not. That's not true. I was. How How old are we? Summer of 2012. Were you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, I yeah. Just, just turned. 21. I just turned 21. Okay, this all makes more sense. What, it, math. Okay. Math. Second time Correct. you said that. Yeah. Correct. Circle of fifths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, the and and Kill Rock Stars is a a very important label, right? They were big in the Right Girl movement. Uh, is that spelled G R R R L? Nailed it. Isn't it. Yeah, something crazy yep. like that. Crushed it. And and it was them and Sub Pop in the '90s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing killer things in that part of the country. Do you stay in touch with them at all? I did a little bit, um, and I still do. Like whenever I go out there, you know, I call the I call them up and go go say hey, because um, I ended up working like a, a brief job for them. Like I did like tour marketing for their band Horse Feathers. Um, it was just kind of like a um, kind of on the side project um, that was super cool. Um, and again, I think I hoped that I would just never leave Portland, but yeah, alas. Do you, have you been back? I've not been back. It's been a while now. Um, I think that was 2014. Since you've been back. You yeah. should come back with me. When are you going? I'm doing a seven-night uh, residency at Al's Den. Oh, hell yeah. In February. Okay. That would be sweet. That would be super awesome. Yeah, tickets are really cheap right now. Okay. Let's talk. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We're on. We're on <laughs> that would be like, so... I need to know the dates because I'm going to, going to a burlesque festival. The 10th through 16th. Okay. Is that the Burlesque Festival? It is. It's the 14th to the 16th. But well, I, I we'll might figure just it out. cancel my shows then. Yeah, come down to New Mexico. Come down. Yeah, boom. And let's let's get into the Burlesque too. Okay. We have to. All right, whenever we you're have ready. To. It's incredible. Thanks. Um, Thank you. So to to keep chronological, okay. is that right? Yeah. Time yeah. Uh so you you get back uh, fall of 2012? Yeah. Well, I I came back mainly too because that was when when I was out in Portland, I connected with um, David Moak, who was working for Devochka. Um, and so that was when I was out working at the record label. So when I came back, like the first thing I did was go into interview to become um, Devochka's intern. So, 
so Devochka was connected with Kill? No, it was just kind of like time-wise. Gotcha. Like my friend had gone in to meet with David for like an unrelated event and, and kind of was um, my champion and was like, do you need an intern? You need an intern. You probably need an intern. You should hire this girl who's like, and I, you know, at the time, Devochka was gearing up to release an album and I was interning at this record label. And I think that was kind of how she connected the dots and then called me and was like, call this guy right when you get back. And so I did. Awesome. So you yeah. just jumped right from one internship to the other. Yep. And were these both unpaid internships at first? Uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's like now looking back, that's way better for your autobiography. <laughs> right. These were unpaid internships. <laughs> right. I always say that like, you know, musicians play for free for a really long time. And like anyone that wants to really get into the business, you know, works for free for a long time. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, hanging posters and or slinging merch or, or whatever, I think it's you you got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So you started, you pretty much jumped from one right into the other, and you're back in school too at CU Denver yep. for the fall semester. And what's things like with Devochka? Um, It was good. I mean, at the time, I didn't realize when I took the internship that really the plan was for me to kind of replace David. Um, So I, I interned for him for like, so they can't see the air quotes, but I interned for a couple months. And then very, very shortly thereafter, um, it turned out David told me he was kind of gearing up to leave. And what, you know, what, was it something I was interested in, um, you know, transitioning to be paid, you know, for it to be a paid role. Um, so I really only interned for a couple months and then um, kind of became their day-to-day manager um, and worked worked for them for the next three years while in school. So did, I, you, did you do tours with them? What kind of stuff did you do? Yeah, it started at first. It was just day to day management. You know, it was a lot of the like, you know, social media and helping, um, you know, logistics for tours and, um, you know, keeping the website up to date and kind of just, you know, and helping with merch and kind of all the behind the scenes stuff um, for the first few years. And then the last year and a half, I also tour managed for them. Um, but we weren't touring tons at that time. I mean, I did a, a one off in Austin for Halloween um in 2013 i think and then in maybe it was 2014 and then um we did a little run to like utah and back um but mainly like it was their their major events so we would do a big valentine's day show every year a big um halloween show usually the boulder theater but we did ogden or not ogden sorry gothic a couple times and then red rocks headlined red rocks three Yes, four years. That's four so, years with the Colorado Symphony. So cool. Yeah, it was. Did probably... they start the collaboration with the Colorado Symphony and local artists? Was that them? I think so. Um, they were certainly, I think, yeah, um, on the front end of it for sure. Because they had released that. They had done it in 2012 um, at Betcher Concert Hall, and they'd recorded that live album with the Symphony. And then it was September of 2012 where they did. They brought it to Red Rocks. And did Nick score that? Uh, Tom did. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, Tom wrote all the charts. Um, and I think he writes a lot of, the, he's written a lot of the charts for um, some of these other bands that have um, collaborated with the symphony as well. That is so cool. So the Colorado Symphony Orchestra here in Denver does a lot of really cool things um, to connect with the local scene, including backing up songwriters, um, backing up bands like Devajka. They did yeah. a uh, thing with Anders Osborne at Red Rocks. They, they play with oh, a bunch awesome. of people at Red Rocks. It's so cool. Yeah, I think it, it really is. I mean, it's such a different 
it, it adds such a different and cool element. And I think it's fun for, um, I mean, just for everyone, you know, um, I think it's a way to, I, I know that it was a way for them to kind of like reestablish, like uh, bring a different audience to the symphony. That was a terrible, terrible description, but that was what I was trying bring to say. Bring a different audience to the symphony. That's yeah. Great. Like, you know, I think, you know, we think of it as like, you know, classical and like, you know, all the, all the great classics, but it's a way to kind of like, no, the symphony orchestra can be rock and roll too. Yeah, absolutely. Shit. Um, what was some of the main things you learned? What were some of the main takeaways from that Devochka job, internship slash job? Oh man, I think, I mean, I think it definitely, definitely helped solidify what I wanted to do. Um, and I got to do so many different things because it was such a small team at the time. I mean, it was, you know, basically me and then Rob Thomas, their manager. And so I think it was, um, I just got to kind of like, wear so many hats and like, you know, learn a lot about production and learn a lot about tour managing and learn a lot about record stuff. And like, it really, I think taught me pretty much everything I would take with me then, you know, when I went to a different, a bigger company. When did you leave Devotchka and how did that happen? Um, it was 2015. Um, I think I just, it was one of those things where it, it had been a lot of years and at the time they weren't looking to re there was no scheduled plans to release a new album and it was just um you know it was time for a change and to kind of keep keep growing yeah. um so i did one last show with them at red rocks in, in july of 2015 and then made the made the jump made the switch yeah. do you still stay in touch with um them? a little bit like definitely i I've, I've seen Sean and Tom out and about um and they're actually i think they're playing the Stanley tonight, obviously, this will not be tonight, but yes. tonight, tonight. Tonight is November, I think it's the 17th. Oh, my God. This will actually come out in about three weeks. So to our listeners, so three weeks ago the they show, played. Yeah, I let hope us you, know how it went. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. You know what's been really interesting, though, and this will be a good way to tie it into I know what else you want to talk about, is that um, Devochka was really big in the burlesque community as well, and they kind of helped um, like a tons of people I perform with um, at one point or another toured with them or have done shows with them because they're big at bringing out like aerialists and um, stilt walkers and burlesque performers. They're and, all about the full show. Yeah. They started, I think, as like kind of like a touring in that realm of like um, sideshow and variety. Like a couple really? of some of their first shows were very like old school cabaret style. Um, you know, because they've got that kind of old timey edge, I think, which I always have loved. And, you know, Nick does a really good job of... Um, you know, kind of really embodying that persona too, I think. That's neat. Is that the yeah. first time you were introduced to burlesque or was that later on? It was later on. That was the first time I was exposed to, um, but to aerialists. I'd never seen, I mean, they scare me half to death. Some of the shit they would do at Red Rocks too. Like, yeah. I mean, they're rigged like, I'm sure it feels like 50 feet up. I don't know. Maybe more, probably more. I'm bad measuring at they're hundreds math. of feet. Math. Math strike three. <laughs> For us, we we're should on just math. quit. We're on math number three. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna like. I'm gonna have to like call Alex when I got the phone and be like, "How high up were you? How high up was I insulting? I'm sure I was insulting. Yeah, it was. It was six hundred. It was six hundred feet. feet, and no, but it was nuts. Um, the last time I actually, you weren't performing this night. I just went with you um, to the clock tower. It was the first time I saw a burlesque performance in the air. 
Yeah. I guess that happens. I guess that's somewhat normal, but I've been to a few shows with you, and I think, you know, when we went to the Oriental Theater, you couldn't maybe really do it there. Um, but when we went to see that one, I was... That's so crazy. It's nuts, right? Yeah. yeah like, the whole the whole thing. Yeah, everything <laughs> about it. Everything about it. It takes a different... It's definitely next level. Yeah. Yeah. So you're done with, and at this point you graduated from college, so you've been out of school for a year maybe? When did you graduate? 13. Okay. Yeah, I graduated in May of 14. You were 14. Okay. Um, but when we moved across the street from each other, we were two and a half. And a half. <laughs> um, exactly. So you surpassed me. You did. You got a leg up there. You oh, graduated first. I did graduate first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was just trying to tie this all back into our um, into our math equation. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's only two and a half. That's right. That's right. We would present our exact ages to all the neighbors. You know, now I think we just like you know now you just you round up. I'm like, ah, oh, we're basically almost thirty. Yeah, I I round down. I'm 25. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Well, why is that? Is there a is there a reason? Uh. I would, well, you know, I treasure every year. Sure. You know, we're still very young, but I tre- I treasure every year, you know, it's and just. But we're in the rock and roll age. You don't want to embrace that. That's right. We are in the rock and roll age. We're both 27. Like, this is it. And I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Um, and, and let me know if, if you agree. You don't want to die at 27. I still feel young. I still feel like there's a whole lot of work to do. I'd like to be 28 and beyond. Sure. But in order to become part of the 27 Club, we'd have to get really, really famous really, really quick. (laughs) I suppose that is true. So I'm basically invincible because I'm not going to get that famous in the next nine months. How much does it blow your mind, though, that like the people that we so idolize? Yes, please. Knock Knock on wood. It's not wood, but I'll, I'll go for it. I think it is. Oh, yeah. It's just painted wood. Yeah. But how, seriously, though, how much does it blow your mind that those people that we so idolize are, are, you know, our age? Like, not that I could even remotely compare us, but it would be like, you're Hendrix and I'm Janice, and here we are, best friends, and like... About to die. About to, and this is, but but we've like, immortalized. I don't know. It, it really has been tripping crazy. me out this year. I think about that a lot, too, this year, and I've been making a lot of jokes about it, too, to to my, my friends. You know, like, this is my last year to die a legend. But do you think that these people would have had the legendary status had they made it another 20 years or still alive? They could still be alive right now. That's true. Who I guess knows? you never know. I, it is crazy, though. How, yeah. and, and they accomplished a lot. So, so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, I thought I was working hard. Right. It like really puts it in like a... a depressing nasty perspective nasty perspective i really i really brought us down i apologize yeah. no 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 it's all, it's all good the 27 club is a that's probably a whole podcast episode it should be yeah we could interview people that wait no we couldn't not cannot <laughs> but maybe just like a whole playlist dedicated i went to a yeah. great yoga class once that was all 27 club songs or songs performed by people that are in the 27 club that's cool it was cool that's really neat yeah so it's 2015. 2015. They departed from Devochka. And Rob Thomas, who was their, uh, I guess, the head manager, he moved out to, was it Portland or Seattle? Seattle. Okay. He, yeah, he moved out to be, I mean, he's and he's still their manager, but 
he moved out to be um, head of or vice president of AEG Live in Pacific Northwest. So he does like bumper shoot um, and stuff like that. So you sort of, you have an incestuous relationship with the Pac West. I guess so. Yeah. Um, that's a, There's know. just, you know, our story, we're like Denver, that area. Colorado, that area. Right, but, totally. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know. Um, <laughs> I take it up there. I mean, shit. And like, I think I, I mean, I, I respect so much of what that came out of there too. I mean, mm-hmm. speaking of, you know, Kurt Cobain, I mean, you know, grunge in Seattle and that whole area did so much for, for a lot of the stuff I like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's next? You done with the vodka? Now what? I, I don't know. Um, luckily that's when I started up with 7S. Um, so I came on board and was working with. You were um, never jobless. You just came. You just. You just I did. I. Right in. I did both for a minute. There was three months there that I was doing both Seven S and finishing up Vodka, and it was a lot. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> but that luckily, time. I was out of school. Um. Yeah, I look back sometimes. I mean, I really, I you know, I really, uh, I really went for it, for it there. My last two years in school, I did, um, or my last year of school, I did, I did three semesters and two. So there was one semester I took nine classes and one I took eight and it was terrible. But I think, I don't know, I've always, I I do so much better when I'm busy and I I like it. Um, Of course, when I'm in the thick of it, I'm like, what have I done? But the more, the more I'm doing, the better, the happier I am. So, so yeah, so I did, you know, three months there working with both, both bands. Devochka fell off and then I was just full-time 7S and I've been there ever since. And what was your first assignment at 7S? I came on board to work with um, Xavier Rudd, out of um, who yeah. was in um, Australia. We managed him for the Americas, so North and South America. And then... Um, Is he still with you guys? No, we only did... Um, we worked with him for like a year, maybe. Okay. Um, and then it just wasn't... Um, we just, you know, amicably split ways. Yeah. And then... Um, actually another Australian band, Jakubi. Um, so I was really just, I was really banking on my free trip to Australia. Have still you? waiting. Oh, no. <laughs> still waiting. you're still working with Jakubi all the time. Yep, still working with Jakubi. Um, they're they're an awesome, you know, they're, they're young young kids. Out, they're not even young anymore. I guess it's been four years, but yeah. um, they're How great. How old they're, are they? They're like um, our age and a little older. So they're like, they all range from like 27 to about 34, I think. Nice. And they've been there with you since the start. Yeah, since the start. I came on, I think, just a few, not that long after we had signed them. And 7S is, that's the biggest management company in Denver, I would say, right? And you guys split off from? From um, Red Light, yeah. Red so Light. just a year or two before I joined, um, they had been the Red Light office and um, had decided it was time to do their own thing and so created 7S, which I think is cool. It's, you know, I feel fortunate that we can do i can do what i love out of denver and not have to go you know to new york or la or nashville i guess um you know i dig it here you guys have a lot of big artists we do yeah um and we run the gamut too i think on on genres and um you know we're worldwide you know the the bulk of the artists i work with are actually international um which is cool that's awesome yeah Uh, and you've Later on, you started working with Andy Frasco. Yep. And now recently, Lucero. Yes. yes. How's that been going? It's been great. It's been there. There's both. There's both super fun. Andy's like you know such an amazing party. 
um, and a talented musician. And um, and I really dig Lucero's music. They were actually one of my favorite bands that we that the company worked with when I started. And so to be able to actually get to work with them now has been a dream. I got to check one of my bucket list items, which was um, uh, we did a show at the Ryman with them, and I went out for that. No way. Yeah, and I was totally like kid in the candy store the whole time. Like, Backstage just, at the Ryman. Yeah, it was so cool. I mean, it's such an iconic room, and I went through a a really fierce country phase in um. In high school, I think it could have been during our, our years we weren't we weren't um, as close because uh, I feel like you would have been like I don't know what you're doing. Who's this Brad Paisley guy? Though you you've been to a Florida Georgia Line concert, so you're guilty too. Yeah, you yeah, did it too. And I've been on some. I've been on a pop country bill recently. That's right. That's right. Yeah. With so Chase okay. Rice. Yeah. So I, can't, we not, can't hate I'm, it. Yeah. Can't, can't, it can't. bring you know brings us where we are. Yes. But um, but no. So I I'd read um I read Tanya Tucker's autobiography and I'd um, you know. I toured I toured the Ryman before just as a fan. So to to watch Lucero side stage and like just be in that, you know, energy was pretty fucking cool. Surreal. Did yeah. they sell it out? Very, very close. Wow. Yeah. Um, and how close are you with, with everybody in the band? Um, we're not 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 super tight yet, but yeah. you know, we're getting there. But I mean, do you talk I mean, is is that part of your everyday thing? Are you talking with them? A bit, yeah. I definitely not all of them. Um, you know, I, I work probably closest with um with Ben. Um but um but definitely like with, with Brian, like, you know, he does a lot of like the artwork stuff, so we're always talk we're always texting about um, you know, merch designs and stuff like that and then um um, you know, and then just updates with the rest of the guys. But um but yeah, they were here on Thursday and it was super fun. Um played that cool new venue up in Fort Collins, Washington's. Have you been yet? I haven't been up to Washington's yet. I've been wanting to go up there. I'm telling you, it's really cool. It's, um, um, I think it's run by, I think the Bohemian Nights guys are booking it, but uh. it's a really cool space. It's like, it reminded me of like the Lair, if the Larimer Lounge were multi-level and just like n- not as grungy, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of designed in a similar way, but um, it sounded great and like it was a super cool area. It was definitely built by people that are musicians. You can you can tell like the green room is so nice and there's like everything you could want for a touring band. Um, yeah. Wow. You know, eleven out of ten would recommend. Nice. Yes. Nice. So you were just talking to me about merch designs in passing a second ago. That's that's a management. That management helps with that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. I think managers can do, I think, anything needed. We're definitely, we always try, like, we we shy away from, you know, the personal, you know, we're definitely not personal assistants per se, but we have all, like, you know, done things from, you know, help someone buy a dog to changing their air filters to, you know, logistics and merch and, you know, actual, you know, stuff that, is more job related. More job related. Well, because I know a lot of people wonder, do I need a manager? What exactly is their role? What's my role? Sure. Uh, a, a booking agent is very clear cut. They yeah. book you shows. Um, and a lot of, I, I guess that's the manager is that one team member where I think a lot of people wonder, well, what, what do they, what, I mean, the manager is probably the most important role, right? They do tons of stuff. But, I think so. Um, what could you take us through? And maybe you don't have typical days, yeah. but 
maybe take us through a typical day and then also take us through an outrageously strange day that's not <laughs> an everyday life for a manager, but if but for anybody who wants to be a manager, this could happen. Sure, totally. <laughs> um, well, I think like the the more general idea is that we're kind of the hub, right? So we're we're the ones that are in charge of we're we're communicating with everyone else on the team. So we're talking to the booking agents, we're talking to the lawyers, we're talking to the record label um, and the artists. Like everything kind of flows through us, um, which is I think kind of the easiest way to kind of like conceptualize what we do. Um, so, you know, like a typical day could be, you know, just, you know, keeping sure, making sure the the band's websites are up to date and going through a tour routing with the booking agent and um, making sure that our band that's going to Europe has their their work permits and their flights and their backline and van held and, you know, stuff like that. And then, um, oh, man, of course, now that you want a, a crazy day, I can't I can't think of one. Um, I think it's usually when something goes wrong, <laughs> unfortunately, or like, you know, um, you know, we lose 12 boxes of merch that needs to be to our two sold out shows in Vancouver. Oh no! And I feel that most things can't be solved with a large sum of money and time, but, um, that's <laughs> kind of what I solved or can't, can't, uh, there's nothing that, uh, time and money can't solve. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Except for um, Broken heart and a song can do that. That's true. Okay. That that reminds me of that really bad um, country song you helped me write very nicely once. Um, oh God, that was so bad. Um, you should play it on the podcast. I will never speak to you again. <laughs> oh God. I mean, I'll just claim you wrote it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. You just watch. It's gonna get like a million hits. Do so. you have it still? Don't know. Okay. We'll look after this. Okay. I'm going to need another one of these drinks before we can get into that. You got it. Okay, deal. Um, yeah, bring me back. We're, crazy day. Crazy day. Crazy day. Like, was there a time when merch didn't get delivered to Vancouver? Two yes. boxes of merch? And it was $3,500 to air, like airlift, for lack of a better word, into Vancouver. What did you do? Um... I think just that, like, it was just, we talked, like, we, no, what we did was we hired, the merch somehow got held up at Customs, but it, it ended up back in Portland, and somehow we were working with um the Dandy Warhols at the time, and they had a guy, they their tour manager also ran, like, a he called it Rock and Roll Ambulance, and it was basically, like, something like a company that was like something goes wrong we can we can help you fix it that's a company rock and roll ambulance i think so i think i'm remembering awesome. it correctly um and we had him like drive an hour to get this merch in like random town in portland and he brought it to the portland fedex and somehow we were able to get it on like the first flight out and some and you know so it like landed at the border and someone had to like go rescue it it was something crazy but it was like we were playing two massive, you know, two massive shows at the Commodore Ballroom and we needed it because, you know, I mean, you know, as good as anyone, like, you know, musicians don't make their money. Musicians make their money on the road yeah. and you make your money in merch. And right. so if you don't have, I mean, anytime you don't have something, it's just money you're not, you're leaving on the table and money you're not making. Right. So yeah, that was fun. And that's, 
that's one of those things where if something like that's ever happened to you, you need a manager. <laughs> totally. And I think that's the thing where it's like, that's what, you know, like, yeah, a lot of days we're, you know, there are some days we're just, you know, we're, we're doing maintenance and stuff. And other days it's like, yeah, it's really good. You have someone to call on yeah. that can devote the time and energy to something like that. Right. Right. Um, and anything else that you can think of right now, not to put you on the spot, I know. but this, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, not, not for the dandy Warhols, but oh, it wasn't them. It wasn't them. Oh, it wasn't. Yeah. Them. Um, no, I think it was. I think it was Xavier. Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, it wasn't awesome for him that night, but that's an awesome no, we, story. I, I did it. We, I, I mean, you got it. I there. saved the day. It was I, awesome that it. I think, yeah. I sometimes I think we're just modern day miracle workers. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you kind of are. All these. I mean, every time we get together, um, for dinner or drinks or whatever. Yeah, you're always telling me about some crazy thing <laughs> that happened and. I'm always on the edge of my seat, like, whoa, <laughs> what? Then what? How, how did that work? <laughs> um, that's really cool. Is there any, yeah, anything else you can think of off the top of your head where bass player lost half of his bass and somebody had to juggle? I don't know. <laughs> one of my favorite, um, I won't, and I won't say the band, but one of my favorite um, emails Let's, I wait, got. Wait, wait, wait. Let's name the band. Um, name you pick, that pick, pick band. Pick the first word you can think of. First word that comes to your mind. Ready, go. Bat. Fan. So fan bat. Fan bat. Was the band. Okay. Perfect. Continue. Cool. Let's get a tie really nicely into the story. Yes. Was I got an email that was like, um, does this band have health insurance? And I was like, I, I don't know. I need more information. What happened? And it was, well, he was walking down the street and he found a bat on the side of the road and he he wanted to make sure the bat was okay, so he he picked it up and put it in his pocket and took him home to feed it and bring it back to to life. Oh, only a musician, right? But um, he he wasn't bitter or anything, but just like maybe we should check him out. Um, so I had to, I called our insurance and was like, "Listen, what should we do? <laughs> what can one do for you something like 7S this?" You called the Seven S Insurance. Yeah, well, we we have a company that we work with for like a lot of our bands, like that have like liability and stuff. And she was just like, "Um, maybe a clinic." I don't. So that was a good one. Did the did your insurance company like keep a straight face? Because um, that is, I mean, it's sort of funny. Yeah, we were, like no, no, he didn't get didn't get bit. She's uh, totally cool. He's totally good. But like, maybe we should get him check out checked yeah. out just in case. Um. No, I think she was just like um. Yeah, I don't know what to tell. I I don't. That's a new one for me. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, so that's so you guys, along with your everyday tasks, you guys are the miracle workers that take care of. We don't know yet. Whatever happens next month or next year or next week, totally. You guys help out with that. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it's. We, I I feel like it's just we've we've got your back. You know, anything that happens or that you need or a person to run you know ideas off of or or whatever it's like you've got this this company you can call and lead on or person team how often are you in contact with your artists so you you yourself i mean i know 7s has tons of artists but you yourself oversee three right well no more because you have you have a magician too right um we do we work with nate santaforth who's awesome um he's and that's been fun too just like a different because um, there's so many similarities, and then there are things that are so much different. 
Um, right. You know, because he had written Com- a book. Comics don't, or uh, magicians don't pick up bats, right? <laughs> he has not. He has he has little kids, so I think, um, you know, maybe they maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, and it's cool too because it's just one. You know, Nate gets on a plane with um his laptop and his you know his one piece of luggage and he he goes and he he does a show and you know it's it's so simple it's like um um just you know there's just there's less um less moving parts but the same you know doing the same thing obviously right and i don't mean it's not it's not a um a jab or anything like that i mean it's still it's incredible but it's um it's just different it's more streamlined you know so how many artists are you day to day with right now um i work with um Eight. Eight. Oh, is it that many? It is. Wow. Yeah, it's great. But I mean, and of course, it's like, it's not like it's that many. It's not all the time, you know, because there's, you know, bands go through cycles. And so like a few of our band, you know, the bands that I, I work on have had more like down years or, you know, have have been writing and recording and, um, you know, some are on the road, some are, you know, it's just. Um, so what's the average contact between between those eight and you? How often are you? on average talking to these artists um i talk for the the bulk of them every day i mean i always joke that like um andy frasco is the first guy i talk to in the morning and the last guy i talk to before i go to bed yeah um so i probably him and i are probably um keeping contact the most um but i would say it's like it's not unlike you know i probably talk to everyone almost every day um you know whether it's like one text or an email or or something but I wow. think it's fairly rare that a day would go by that I wouldn't talk to someone. So you're always there. Always there. That's... It's it really is. It's like a you know there are relationships above all. Um, you know you go through highs and lows, ups and downs. You know, thicker, yeah. come back around. Well, you have more relationships than the rest of us. <laughs> I get shit, man. <laughs> I don't know how I do it. I don't know. So what does it take? For an artist to attract manage attract management, at what point do you think an artist needs management? Not everyone needs one, or do you disagree? Sure. Could everybody use that helping hand at any stage? Yes and no. I mean, I think obviously I'm biased, and I I think every you know I think we obviously we provide a very valuable service, but I think it really depends on the artist because sometimes you know they have you know bands have a really savvy person that is really willing to take on a lot of that responsibility until the time is right um but i think it's you know you have to be the band has to be ready for it and and really want it because i feel like um you know it can get into the the kind of time where you're you know if you're if you're pushing and pulling against each other it doesn't work and so i think that the band has to be ready to kind of take the direction and and want it um and be able to kind of be a little more hands-off which is scary i mean it's you're entrusting your entire livelihood to us that's what scares me yeah. i think as a kid i always wanted a team but now sure. I, i've i've looked at my stuff like could i trust somebody else with this or not that I even wouldn't trust them but i've become so controlling because we're in a diy sure absolutely music, music era that i just i was like well don't touch that right right or you want to know every absolutely everything that we're doing and be involved in every conversation or so, it's hard mm-hmm. it's totally hard Here's when I realized that it's helpful is um, obviously I do Dragon Burlesque on the side and I was in the show and we got the poster and I was like, hated it. 
And I like thought that like, you know, I wasn't being represented well and there was all these things. And I was like, this is the time that I wish that I had someone to go to bat for me. Because if you do it yourself, you look controlling or, you know, douchey for back of a letter, better word. Like, um, I'm sorry, great, look how terrible I look. Um, that's a great word. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm going to need, I want to see me more. I want to have my face not cut off. Like, what, right. what are you doing? I can't say that about myself, right? But guess who could? You know, me, your manager, to be like, hey, I'm sorry, you know, like, is there a way that Andy's name can be bigger or, you know, like, can it be just a better representation of him? Like, totally seems fine coming from your manager. Right. That's your job. You're the bad guy. You can be we the are bad the ba- guy. We're, we're, we definitely are always, you know, good cop, bad cop. Yeah. But it's helpful. I mean, you know, you need someone to kind of go to bat on those little things that, you know, ultimately, you know, do make you look better. Do you think you need to be making a certain amount of money a year to attract management? Or to, or to warrant wanting one? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, it is an investment. You know, you are, um, you know, paying paying someone, obviously, a, a portion of what you're making. But I think that it's also, you know, we can help you make more money is the idea of, like, you know, if you have someone that's just working around the clock um, for it, you're able to devote your time to music. And, you know, we're out there looking for gigs and looking for um, – opportunities to make you more money yeah so i i don't think that there's I, it's hard it's like i think everyone always wants there to be like a, you need a, if you have a b and c it's time but it doesn't necessarily always go that way right right and 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 so then more specifically too with 7s what do you guys look for to take on a new client is there a certain amount of uh back to the income thing is there like it an x amount of this needs to be your gross income because i know you guys are typically getting a a percentage of gross, right? Yep. Um, or are there certain artists that Brian goes to see or Alex goes to see or you go to see and you say, man, we have to take, you know, they're not doing a ton right now, but we need them. Def- yes. I, I don't, I mean, money is a factor, of course, like everyone wants to get paid, but it's not, I think that the bigger factor is do we connect with it and do we see something there? Um, you know, and are we willing to fight for it and work for it? And, um, I think a lot of times it's, you know, we look at, um, you know, obviously, you know, we look at who's talking about you on Facebook. We look at, we look at those numbers and we look at, um, you know, who in the scene, you know, is, is talking about you too. Like, you know, are, is AEG excited? Are these people excited? Like, um, you know, but if we hear a song, you know, that's, that really we believe in. I mean that's all it takes sometimes too. Wow. Yeah. To get somebody on board. It's true. It's it's all about, you know, I don't want to say the hit like, you know, the radio hit, but yeah. You know, it it is about it's about the music. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we're you mentioned earlier being thankful that you could be doing this job with a a, a major management company in Denver as opposed to Nashville or LA or New York. Um what are your thoughts on the Denver scene? Do you see any advantages if you're in the industry or a performer, any advantages to being in Denver as opposed to those major hubs? And do you see any disadvantages? I think the biggest disadvantage is just we're so far away from everything else. Um, like for a touring band, you <laughs> yeah, know, it it's sucks. so, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, you got cool 
you know, eight hours and you're in Salt Lake City or eight hours and you're, or 10 hours and you're in Kansas City? Yeah, uh, yeah about eight to Kansas okay. City, yeah. Six down to Albuquerque? With a trailer. Yeah. Right, right, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I remember when we drove to Utah, Google Maps said it would be like seven hours and I think like 11 hours later we got there and I was like, this is, how do you guys right, do it? Right, because you have six different people that have to poop at different times. Sure, right. And the gas tank doesn't last with a trailer. No, and you're in an 01 Dodge pulling a trailer, yeah. going up, like winding through mountains. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I admire you so much, sir. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think the the disadvantage is just sheerly you can't play as many shows quickly, and it you know you've really got to commit to get to those cities. It's harder to build up like an area, um, you know. But I think the advantages are there's not we're not as oversaturated, you know. And I don't really feel like Denver has like a a, a genre specific scene, which mm-hmm. you know like like we were talking about earlier, like you know Seattle had grunge and Portland had the Riot Girl stuff, and you know it's and like. I don't feel that here, which I think is both, you know, is good. I mean, it, it allows for bands to really shine because there's just not as much competition. I don't know if you feel the same way. You're the actual musician in the scene. I'm just watching it. I I guess I feel both, but I've never been in any other scene. I'm a right. I guess that's true. Um, I I do find it interesting though that there are so many different scenes here, but sometimes also you wish there was like a community of. Hey, all pop punk country bands come to Denver. You had me until you said country. Pop punk country. Pop punk country. Interesting. Yeah. I actually this guy. That's um, isn't that what uh, fan? What was our band called? Fan, fan Mike. <laughs> fan Mike. Fan Mike was very pop punk country. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. I think we're so close. And I think we're there in a lot of ways. And I think I agree with you that there is still the tiniest bit. Like, it doesn't feel as cohesive. But I wonder if it, too, sometimes, if it's just the time we're in. I mean, we're in that time of, like, everything is really who you are online and not necessarily what you're doing. Right. Right. And f- and for that reason or others, do you see Denver becoming one of the major hubs? It certainly seems to be growing. I think so. I mean, I think we've got pretty much, you know, everything here. Um so I, you know, and we're the, such a rapidly growing city and I think so many people are flocking here that, you know, we've got some killer festivals too. I mean, UMS yes. is a blast, Westward Music Showcase, um, you know, I mean, Velorama that just happened was super fun. Um, so I don't see any reason, I don't think it's going to stop or slow down, you know, and I hope that, you know, we can, the community can find, can find more ways to come together and make it feel kind of more like it could or it is in other cities. But yeah, much like you, I mean... I've got no other experience of it anywhere else either. Right, right. So let's, uh, the drag and burlesque has come up in the conversation <laughs> a few times. It's a big part of your story. When did you say this, this episode is airing? Can I do shameless self-promotion or will this episode will air? I can give you an exact. Cause we'll see if it's relevant date. or not. Let's see. It's always relevant. I, it'll be relevant. Uh, um, I'll tell you if no one else, it'll come out on December 6th. Well, I would tell you all about my amazing event on December 2nd, but it will have passed. Damn. Um, I know. We'll still post about it. Cool. You're the best. But yeah, I started doing drag in 2015, um, and I joke that I want to be a rock star, but because of the lack of musical talent we discussed earlier, that was not my scene. So I get to manage rock and rollers in my daily life, and then at night I get to lip sync and air guitar and pretend I'm a rock star and I get yeah. the best of both worlds. Well, and you're you're a very unique act too. 
um, that was the coolest thing when you took me out to see. And I had Thank never you. been to a burlesque show until you kept bugging me, kept bugging me. I was like, all right, let's go check it out. <laughs> and now I've been to several with you. Hell sometimes yeah. that you're performing, sometimes yep. um, where you're you're great about supporting all your peers Thank too. You. So Thank you. It's important. I've been out to a couple of those as well. That's true. And you're you're different from all the other acts. Yeah. Because you are dressed up. You're usually doing like a rock and roll thing. Yeah. You're dressed up as a, as an artist. Um, and it, what's just completely different from everybody else. You're not flying from the ceiling. I'm not flying from the ceiling. No, I I was gonna like I was gonna let you fumble and see if you how you explained it, but I'll like, save you. You're well. You're dressed up as a dude rocker. Yep. And that's and then I well I don't yeah to say from there to describe it yeah take, sure yeah do help me out there totally <laughs> I love you I will take I'm it over say something <laughs> wrong I know I know I want to save you no I do I do what I consider drag lesque so I do um you know I'm a bit of a drag king so I you know dress up yeah obviously as a male persona and then I also do boylesque so I I then you know take my clothes off as a man or male more male bodied i'm gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna fumble over my words see I've never actually i was gonna it say something very similar okay, okay? no I you would have been right i was gonna nail it and you're right and it's different which is both good and bad i mean you know we all know how it sometimes it can be hard to kind of know where you belong when you know it's something like that and it's different and i get it but um it's been cool it's been you know like i've had parents come up to me after shows before and you know tell me you know they just had their their you know, their 16 year old come out as trans and they didn't know where their kid fit in the world. And then they came to our show and they saw, you know, me on stage and thought like, you know, it was going to be okay. That's a, you know, like that's so cool. It's awesome. I mean, how cool is it to have people connect to your art? I mean, that's why we all do it. Right. And to like, know that this hobby that you care so passionately about can help others or like, you know, help people not feel alone in the world. I think that's why we all do it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Has it, and so has your specific act, I it, it probably helps you get on some shows because it's different. And it probably, I know as we've talked about before, sometimes too, the venue or the host is looking for a specific classic burlesque thing. Totally. Is that, and that's hurt you a few times as well too, getting gigs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, um, our parents are always our biggest fans. So my mom's always telling me like, you know how great I am or whatever but you know she you know she was telling me she she was like you know maybe you're just a little bit before your time and I don't know I mean I don't know if it's it is different I mean people you know it's asking you to really kind of stretch your mind a bit um but I dig it too I mean I think it does set me apart um my claim to fame was very recently um I was performing at this um it was the Denver Modernism show and I looked across or I was doing um my Freddie Mercury number where I do have these pants that zip away and I made direct eye contact with um, this guy in the front row and he just shook his head at me and like got up and like walked out like mid act. And then I looked at his girlfriend who just shrugged her shoulders at me and I kind of just shrugged back at her and like went on, but went on with it obviously. But um, you know, Brody Danger making straight men uncomfortable everywhere. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah, that is that your um, <laughs> is that the slogan? That'll be the new slogan. My real slogan is Brody Danger Wiener Dog Enthusiast because I love wiener dogs, but I think that'll be it. I know. I miss her so much. Oh. Uh, that was your childhood pup. My little and my Zach, little, right? Yep. The lab. Yep. The lab. Yeah, but Sadie was the 
the chubby wiener dog that we <laughs> traumatized through all our high school parties. That poor dog. <gasps> <laughs> so many photos of her just with like drunk friends holding her in like sheer terror. Yeah. Yeah. But... That's <laughs> people that shouldn't have been drunk yet. Of course. I write, um, it was college. And she, you go by Brody danger, Brody danger. Yep. B R O D Y danger. I'm not going to, I know how to spell danger, but I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up because it's so easy to spell it. D A N G er crushed it danger okay <laughs> that's one of those things where you don't think about it and then you uh right there's, there's like a silent x in it yeah something yeah <laughs> yeah, right. yeah yeah i'm a i'm an awful speller um so uh brody danger and you're on instagram brody dot danger yep you got it when are you past december 6th do you have another performance coming up uh december 7th at the clock tower we're doing our annual holiday flirt show which That's is Clock actually Tower Cabaret Clock Tower on Cabaret. 16th. Yep, 16th in Ar- Arapahoe, hosted okay. by Shirley Delta Blow. Um, but it's my it's Brody's third birthday. It's um <gasps> that was the first show I did when I started was that show. So I always it's always fun to kind of it's a holiday show, but you know it's a little bit more special to me too, just because just because of that. December seventh. Yep. At the Clock Tower, Brody Dangers, Brody Dot Danger on Instagram. Third birthday. Third birthday party. And and. Brody Danger can be caught at the Clock t- Tower Cabaret a good bit. That's sort of the the spot. I mean, I know there's multiple places that we've been to. I've seen you at the Oriental yep. as well, but I feel like a lot of times it's home. That's, Definitely, that's the home base. Yeah, it's we're going into our um, fourth year of Drag Decades, um, which is super cool. Um, so we do, you know, usually the first Friday of every month, um, we we explore a different decade. Start of the '60s, go through to current hits, and then um, make shit up for the rest of the year. Um, but it's always a fun themed show, and uh, all drag, and me taking my clothes off sometimes when my mom's not in the audience. Do you do you perform differently when your mom's in the audience? Um, there was one. She yes, a little bit. I mean, for the most part, no. And she's very very accepting, but she will call me up and be like, you know, I just. <laughs> I'm your mom, and it's kind of weird for me when you're taking your clothes off on stage. And I'm like, I mean, mom, that's really fair. Thank you for coming anyway. But um, yeah. yeah, she didn't come to. Uh, she missed like one week and um, or one month recently, and um, I definitely went pretty pretty hard on the burlesque side of things, which I, I would not have done. Had but, she been there? Well, and I I kept thinking too as we've been doing this interview we should have had a call-in segment which we haven't done on this show oh yeah i'm not sure how to do it oh my uh, god my mom would love in. it but we but a call-in segment and have melanie and daniel call <laughs> in. maybe have keith call in totally that would have been so cool that would have next really time fun. okay i'll we'll have you back on i would love it is there anything mean, as soon as i press the stop button especially with this interview i'm gonna be so bummed out because there's gonna be like eight things totally that we forgot to talk about oh man Oh, you know what we should have talked about, but I understand that we've probably been talking for a long time, but we should have talked about our epic South by Southwest journey together because that was fun. Let's do it quickly. Okay. Kevin has texted me four times now because we have our Dueling Pianos gig tonight. Yes. Um, We went on an epic road trip yeah. and it was a blast and we took some cool photos it was, of the skate park. We went down in your car. We went in my car and then your band picked you up and you went on tour. In my dad's truck. This yeah. was several years ago. 20... 14 maybe i think you're right because i yeah it was at south by to bring it full circle it was at south by southwest i found out 7s was hiring and i remember sitting at that 
at the kitchen table of that Airbnb we shared with Strawberry Runners. It wasn't an Airbnb. It was their fr- a friend of theirs. It was fans. the nicest shower I ever took. Oh, my God. That because it was, was somebody's parents' house, and they were out of town because it was South by Southwest. Yeah. And the shower water came from the ceiling and all the sides. Oh, I. you know what? You showered in the master bathroom. I never, I never showered there, but oh, now I'm so oops. jealous. You were holding out on us. No, I was. I just went into the only uh, available bathroom when you're sharing a house. No, with I 10 went people. into the only closed door. <laughs> <laughs> I like. And there was like the skate style. park with the big stage there too that we never played at. Right, because they were they were doing some some funny festival, but um, but yeah, that was fun. We need. I, I want to go on tour with you, so you let me know when you're available. I'm I'm, I'm on board. Okay, All let's right. do it. Hell yeah. Uh, we're gonna make that happen. I I would love that. I would love it. What if what if we do a solo tour and it's just like the two of us and the open road? I love it. Does can I mean you can play piano like it'll be well Brody Danger and Andy Sitto take the world. I think that would be sweet. Oh, oh, I've always wanted to play piano for a burlesque show ever since I saw that old man do yeah, it. Yeah, Larry. Larry. That just looks like so much fun. That would be the greatest. The Andy Ra- the Andy Brody duo i love it where's there's a better band name Maybe i think it's just called we're superstars fan mike <laughs> fan, fan mike we fan are superstars bat, whatever it was uh well thank you so much for coming oh on. my god thank you i would love to have you on again sometime i would love it and uh i just feel weird that our whole conversation today is just in a professional atmosphere that's wrong i know it's been it's been fascinating though yeah i love it yeah we're seeing each other in a professional I way know. for the first time <laughs> No, not, not the first, the first time. time. Ever. We, you know, we were we've worked together before. <laughs> yes, we, <yeah>. we have. <laughs> uh, well, you. much love. Much love. And we'll thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There you have it, Rachel Miller, my oldest and dearest friend. I was so happy to have her on the podcast. She's done a lot of cool stuff, huh? What am I doing with my life? We also got to hear from Brody Danger a little bit at the end. There are links to his website and Instagram, and I also have linked uh, the website for 7S Management in the description of this episode. If you liked what you're hearing, please go to Apple or iTunes or your Android podcast app, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Write a little note. I would appreciate it very much. If you have any questions comments, concerns, or hate mail, you can email me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.